Welcome to this week's episode of Drive the Bid, the podcast brought to you by AutoHunter.com and ClassicCars.com. AutoHunter.com is your seven-day online auction. We do list your car with a reserve or with no reserve if you would like. Seven days, so Monday to Monday or Friday to Friday or any day in between, no weekends. Cars that are special interest and cars that are vintage are what we specialize in. Also some motorcycles here and there. So please look us up, autohunter.com and our sister site, classiccars.com, which is a more traditional classified site, as if you will. So that's who brings you this lovely podcast every week. So as always, I would like to introduce the co-hosts, starting with me. My name is Brad. Sitting to my right is Jeff, and my yep. left is Derek. Hello. Welcome to the recording room, gentlemen. Good to be here. Very good to be here. Got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about a few things. I want to do a callback to last week's episode to start. How's that sound? Yep. So last week, we had a small discussion regarding the, I think, released that day. We saw leaked photos. Right. It, it was like after we recorded was the official At 5 release. At 5 p.m. Yeah. yeah. So they time. released the information about the 2020. Four, four? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford Mustang, which is a what chassis code is that? Who knows? S six S six fifty S six five zero. Do we actually know the chassis code? Mm-hmm. I've only heard it referred to as the seventh generation. Pony no, car. it's S six fifty. Okay, S six five zero, which makes sense because it's basically just an evolution off the S five fifty platform. I believe it's yes. actually the same platform still, right? That it haven't changed any of that. I don't know. I've had a conversation in the past about chassis codes and how I uh, love hate them. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, that chassis code is this. That makes sense. And then sometimes I'm like, man, the world has gone too far with chassis codes. Like it used to be like if you were a BMW or a Porsche guy, you knew chassis codes. Now it's yes, like if you're a car guy, you have to know chassis codes now for literally everything. So unfortunately. I guess it's just the way of the world from now on. I like so. Cassie codes because if you're talking about something that has several generations worth, or if you just like a specific body style, you can use the chassis code. Like if you're <laughs> like, I like E30 BMWs, that doesn't mean you necessarily like specifically a 318 or a 325. You're like, I just like the E30 body. Right, which is to say the S650, you might not like the EcoBoost or the V6, but you want the, you know, GT500, so right. same kind of deal. I don't, I, I just, again, BMWs, it was always like traditionally like, this is an E30, this is an mm-hmm. E21. We just knew them by chassis codes, whereas it seems to be the whole world is moving to chassis codes for everything. Is like, that's how you identify as an enthusiast. That's a Mustang? That's not a Mustang. That's an S650. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's a very different world that we're entering. So it didn't used to be a thing. It's a thing now. I'll get off my soapbox, I guess. I, I don't love it, but... I, th- I think it's fine, especially in this case, as we're on our seventh generation Mustang. Uh, you can now tell people which generation Mustang you have. But it used to be really easy. You either had a first generation Mustang, a Mustang 2, um, <laughs> or a Fox body. <laughs> and it was very simple. So, anyway... So, S650 is the name of the Mustang. I'll mm-hmm. just go with it, and I'll go with the flow here. And specifically, they've unveiled three variants of it um, with the announcement. The GT. Yeah. GT EcoBoost. Okay. And the Dark Horse, which is a 
expanded upon GT. Basically a Mach 1. It is a dumb name. Yeah, I agree. They also, it has a new logo. It is a dumb name, but in 2024 or 2022 or whatever year we're in now, mm-hmm. manufacturers are just playing with dumb names, so you kind of have yep. to do it. Yeah, look at all of the uh, last call cars from Dodge are all terrible names. But they're all callbacks to old names. So No, no. The one today was Black Ghost. They just announced the sixth one, which is Correct, Black Ghost. but Black Ghost is a callback to that one in particular. Is that the Challenger? The one nineteen seventy Challenger, the Black uh-huh. Ghost, which was from like Detroit or somewhere with the snakeskin top that was known for like terrorizing the street racing scene. Hmm. It's one of the historic vehicle register cars. You can actually watch a Haggerty put together a one hour documentary about it. Oh wow. That's which cool. if you haven't seen I do want to see that. One hundred percent go home and watch it. That's funny. It's, I was actually just binging YouTube. It's, it's a great it's a great story. They've done a few of those on a few different vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like they did the deep dive into that particular car and why it's in the historic vehicle register. One of them was the first VIN number Camaro, the gold one they put in display at the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Okay. Another one was the black Lamborghini Countach from Cannonball Run. And then one of them was the black Ghost. And there's one more, like a Duesenberg or something, or a Rolls. I forget. I'm terrible person it was a big luxury car from like the 20s to 30s so hmm. they're all very well produced about an hour long uh the black ghost one is really good so i'd watch it i have to check that out it's a cool story it's a cool family story the guy who owns the car now is the son of the original owner still well, that's cool so it's a really really neat story so that's where that name came from so it's not out of left field like dark horse <laughs> like i know the other day they did yeah. a charger swinger was one of the final call cars yes so i mean that's, and there's a king daytona and the King Daytona, also not a real car from Dodge, but there is a real car called the King Daytona, which was a drag car from That's LA. The Los Angeles area. In the 60s, drag late 60s, guy. early 70s. And Big. What was his name? Big Willie. There's a. Big Willie? Big Willie sounds right. He's there's a. a uh, there's a podcast. There is a podcast series. Six episodes. By PBS or NPR or. Something One, like that. It's re- also really good, and I highly Six recommend episodes. it if you haven't listened to it. I think they're 30 minutes each. Yeah, about that. Yeah, It's a great story really about, about the man, the car, and the whole scene at the time. It's it's really neat. Mm-hmm. So definitely look into that one. So they, they're definitely pulling back into their heritage there, whereas Ford doesn't really have any heritage of a dark horse that I can think of. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. Email us in. Absolutely. But I don't know that we do have yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Ford is doing lots of interesting stuff with special editions, right? We've sort of talked about even bullets, for example, coming in different colors that aren't green, which kind of seems ironic. It's strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Derek, but, Derek, the owner of a green bullet Mustang, coming in hot there. I mean, does that mean? Yeah, break it down in case you live under a rock and haven't heard about the car. So quickly to run through it, the Coyote and the GT is the fourth generation Coyote. Um, they haven't released any hardcore production numbers, but I would expect it to be around the typical 460 to 480 range. Also a dumb name. If I, if I remember correctly, I watched the presentation, obviously, after it initially aired. Mm-hmm. And one of the reps, if I remember correctly, he said, you know, uh, like f- 480 plus 
Because it's just weird because the dark horse is 500 was the number we were given. Yeah, well, that's what they're projecting. I would not be, I I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if the dark horse makes like 520 or something well, substantially above 500. Right. I think it's a case where they're kind of under promising and then they're going to over deliver once it comes out. We'll see what happens, right? Because when the Coyote first came out, I believe horsepower was 420, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah. Back in what, 2011? Yes. No, well, it was 411, I think, when it first came out back then. It was 411, 412, then it bumped up to 420. And I that's think. 1314 is 420? Uh, probably, something and like that. 460, I think, is 15. Yeah, and uh, yeah, somewhere around there. But I was wondering if they were going to go off of a technicality because, you know, the 1920 bullets. <laughs> Not to bring it up again, but the 1920 bullets, those were juiced up. 1920? Are you talking about the 1928? No, no, the 2019, 2020 bullets. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it's okay. I was on your wavelength. I totally just read that. Yeah, the uh, the apostrophe was silent. Um, (laughs) This is the the multi Mustang. (laughs) It goes way back. But the the 2019, 2020 bullets, they were Mustang GT based, but they were juiced up to 480 horsepower. And I thought, okay, well, maybe they're going to, you know, go on a technicality and say it's, you know, because they're saying it's the most powerful uh, coyote, um, coyote-based GT. So right. technically the bullet is, you know, which coyote GT. Even it's thinking a about, GT, it's a bullet. It's, yeah, it's, but it's based on that. So. It's very confusing um, which car, I guess, had its take for the coyote because even the mach 1 i've seen numbers reported at 470 and 480 yeah i've always known it to be 480 because yeah they combined like the six-speed gearbox from the gt350 with the you know the output of the bullet which both of which they discontinued the previous model year and then came the mach 1 so Anyway, uh, I think I'm just yeah, sitting here saying I know none of these things, so I'll let you guys debate it back and forth. <laughs> All the technicalities, um, well, regardless anyways, of what it was before, it. the new one is going to be rated at 480 in the GT and 500 in the Dark Horse, which doesn't seem like a big bump. No, but they're all saying rated at, so maybe it'll be like one of those like it's 500, hush hush, wink wink, and it's like 560 or something stupid. Who knows? Yeah, I can yeah. totally believe that but happened too pretty common in this day and age to have a very subtle bump like for example like the lamborghini urus performante i know was like a 15 like maybe 20 horsepower bump the new chevrolet tahoe rst performance edition that just came out is like a 13 horsepower increase and a seven uh, pound foot torque bump that's a vehicle that does not need to exist well i mean in an suv like that do you even notice it it's basically a cop package so like the blues brothers you know cop motor cop brakes cop suspension right <laughs> It just doesn't, I mean, whatever. Yeah, but the Escalade V doesn't need to exist. No, but at least that's a significant difference. It sure I, I is. Think, I think the Escalade V is the attempt to put the Escalade back in the spotlights as far as, like, the, like, ooh. Performance SUVs. Yeah. Well, like, that and, like, who it's supercharged. That it probably whines. Well, the weird thing is, is that everybody that had Escalade money back when Escalades were popular... For right. some reason, now has Urus money, so nobody's That's buying Escalades anymore. True. So, 
True. I'm not sure what happened there, but well, we're in the SUV age. Money so got, it's also money more got cheap, and everybody got a lot of it somehow, except well, for me, obviously. But yeah, and also I, everybody but us got a lot of money. Real quick. <laughs> I, I think with the Escalade V too, you know, for so long they. I mean, they were you know basically printing money with this with the Escalade, but mm-hmm. I think they finally realized and put resources toward tapping into a part of that market that they weren't getting anything out of. You know what I mean? Because they were getting traditional high end luxury buyers, but then they're like, oh well, people love performance SUVs, so let's get a piece of that too. And they I don't know why did they would it. change what I they were suppose. doing because they were literally slapping bumpers on a sixty thousand dollar Tahoe and calling it a hundred and ten thousand dollar Escalade. So well, I want to point out much else different. That DV is a one fifty now. So <laughs> sure, just so an Aris is two all monopoly money now. Twenty, I want to say an Aris, is, I think, starts at two twenty. So seventy thousand dollars more, um, and you get an Aris. I'd rather have an Escalade V, not a regular Escalade. You, but. Buy, you could buy a lot of cars for $70,000. Yeah, especially <laughs> Brad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying you like the lower price stuff. Yes. I it's not am, a bad thing. I am cheap. <laughs> you true. said that, not me. <laughs> you know, I could buy, buy 70,000 Hot Wheels cars. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> wow. I don't even, where do you store that? I don't know, but I mean... I don't want to. I mean, I actually You'd have, have already, to hire so. somebody to manage it, the collection for you at some point. I probably need that already. Yeah. <laughs> All those guys are a problem. Oh, it's I, we could do a whole a episode problem. about that. Actually, we probably could. So moving on, we're going back to the Mustang because we've gone three tangents so far so, and they've given two facts. Or yeah, yeah, we haven't talked about much. So. Uh, going back to, we had a little bit of a discussion talking about the leaked photos. So it turns out the leaked photos are all correct. So everything we said in the previous episode, I know that I bashed on the interior specifically. The gauges um, specifically. I still agree with that. I don't think my opinions on the car have changed after the stuff from the Mustang, but but now we can hate on all the gimmicks from the car as well. So going back <laughs> to the design real fast, I don't remember what my opinion was on the leaked photos. I, don't, I think I was like, eh, it's okay. And I'm still like, eh, it's okay. I think that peak retro Mustang was the 05, 08. Yeah. Yep, yes, again. That. Retro sorry. futurism, baby. Yes. yes. <laughs> I think that was peak retro Mustang. Uh, some of the cues that have carried on, I think Derek and I, we talked about the, the haunches and the quarter panels where it kind of goes up a little bit from the belt line. And the 05, 08 didn't have that. The later ones do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of dig that. But overall... The rest of the car doesn't differentiate itself, I don't think, enough from anything else. Um, the Volvo, what's the Polestar? The Polestar 2, is that the fancy one? The, the Polestar no, 1. The 1 is the two-door sports car okay, 1. so the Polestar 1. The engine. And this car. Two is all electric. Kind of look the same to me. And the front okay. end of this Mustang, with the way the headlights are on the new one and the grill assembly, I mean, it kind of looks like an Accord. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, the yeah, the funniest part about this, as far as Mustang memes that I've seen in terms of what it looks like, is somebody actually compared it to uh, the game Grand Theft Auto has a car called the Dominator that is the Mustang. And it sure. and the headlights that Grand Theft Auto used to make their version of the S550 look right. just because like the S650. Because obviously in that game they can't use licensed cars. Yeah. Because manufacturers are like, you want us to license a car to use in a game where you rob banks and run people over? I think we'll pass. Yeah. Right. So they would make a car that looked just like the car, but changed just enough to not get a lawsuit. Which in this case, they predicted the They predicted S650. the future. I have not yeah. seen this meme. I'll look it up. You should. Um, I'm not familiar with that car in Grand Theft Auto, but I'll certainly, uh, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a shot. But I yeah. can see that because the new Mustang to me does look like, and I've said this a few times with other cars that have come out in the past, it looks like a generic 
unlicensed toy of the previous generation to me. And maybe it'll grow on me and it'll change because, you know, I was a huge detractor of the fourth gen F body when it came out in 1994, four, 94. 93, 93, when the Camaro and Firebird changed so drastically in 93, I was like, that is the worst car ever. And within like a year, I was like, I really want one of these. <laughs> the, the Catfish Camaro is bad. Before the Catfish Camaro. So this is like the peak oh. nose. I also didn't like the Catfish Camaro when it first came out, and it also grew on me with the right no. the right setup. It looks nice. Yeah, the, the headlights help that, because I never liked I like the them. quad squares. Camaros I like were them, bad for I like them both now, so... What do I know? Anywho, back to Mustangs. Sure. Um, other I want to talk about Camaros. Other things. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of talking about the styling, um, one of the things that changed Speaking is... Speaking of Camaros, it kind of looks like one, too. I they, was, yes, yes, exactly. The, especially the, the rear quarter panel. And, and again, it's it's not a big deal that it does because in the history of Camaros and Firebird, Camaros and Mustangs, they compete directly against each other. Yes. And the Camaro only exists because the Mustang exists. Yeah. So the fact that there's a few similarities is just in the inherent design of the car. It's a long hood, short deck pony car, like it's always been. And to make a long hood, short deck pony car that fits with the current modern technology of wind tunnel testing and pedestrian crash safety, the cars are going to wind up looking a little bit the same because unfortunately the, the general shape is designed by a computer. Which fun fact, the Camaro was almost originally called the Panther and they changed the name last minute before going on stage to unveil the car when they were afraid of headlines uh, reading, which is faster, a Panther or a Mustang. A Mustang. Yeah. And so the name was changed to Camaro. I'd say it worked out. Yeah. I think it would have worked out as a Panther too, but it worked out probably well, better. Ford would have another car named Panther later called the Pantera. True. And they used the name Panther for a chassis code. Oh, oh yeah. interesting. For the Crown Victoria from oh, like the yeah. mid '90s to the mid 2000s was the Panther platform. P seventy. Yeah, right. I think P. I'm gonna go real deep on chassis codes. P seventy one was the police car police version, car, yeah. yeah, of the Panther chassis code. So hmm. anyway, back to I Mustangs. Like, I like the Mustang. Tangent number seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more to come. <laughs> so, in terms of styling, um, one of the other changes they've made is the EcoBoost and GT are now distinguishable solely on body features. So it used to be, you know, you look at the rear. If it had a horse, it was an EcoBoost. The V6 no longer existed later on in the S550's run. Um, and if it had a GT badge, obviously it was the V8. But now you can actually tell just by looking at the bodywork. So the front has a different, more aggressive front end for the GT. Um, personally, I think I might prefer the EcoBoost front end because it's kind of like sleeker, a little bit simpler. The GT front end, like sometimes, you know, I, I like it a little bit more, but then... It's, it's busy. It's, it's very busy, yes. It's not as Mustang looking and it's more European looking. Like it has, like the grill obviously is not the same, but like a, a new M6 or M5 or M3 or whatever has the same kind of lower, lower balance and like weird angles and splits. There's definitely more like, I need air aggressive performance E stuff. Yeah, the, the EcoBoost is actually a better, simpler look. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's better or not. I'm going to hold out judgment on that until I see one in person. Cause I'll probably be like, yeah, the aggressive nose is better in person. But as it's, as it stands right now, the EcoBoost nose is better looking. There's, there's certain things I would, you know, take from both sides that I like, like the hood vents are cool, but then when you put them with all of the extra stuff on the front of the GT, it looks like just more extra. Those, those uprights in the grill. I don't like right. And then there's also the, uh, what you'll notice is like, there's certain pieces that could be color changed. Even that might, 
change the way you look at it. Like there's a little piece of black plastic on the GT just above the bumper that can change. And then what you'll notice is the side intakes are probably the most prominent design feature change. On the GT, they almost go up to the headlight, which is, we've seen it on some cars. Like if you look at the 2021 Mach 1, it's kind of similar. Um, but it's we've never seen it this extreme, which I don't know if they justify the performance. Maybe that's more stuff in there that they need, but it's very prominent design feature that almost makes the face look more trucky to me it's all it's all ate up with grills in the front yes yeah and then you know uh touching on what you were saying earlier brad the um i get a different japanese car when i look at the headlights because it's got the triple beam i assume led so well (laughs) there's that but i was uh, first impression was uh lexus because you know a lot of those you can upgrade with the triple beam leds and that's the first thing that came to mind but yeah, that up front in a Camaro, you know, just, it was weird how I, the more I looked at it, I was like, gosh, this, it, just something kind of was sticking in my craw about it. And that's exactly what it I, is. I, I don't want to harp on it looking like other cars too much because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the old adage, you go to a, a car show and people are like, oh, they don't make them like they used to. Cars that they all look the same. But if you put three 1955 cars next to each other, I mean, all the stylists of all the car manufacturers kind of worked at the same time and the same designs and they're all kind of the similar similar things like i mean what looks good looks good right a hundred percent what's in style is in style right is a reason that you know your work wear is the same as everybody else's even though you're all individual people you all have kind of a every a, exotic a car similar thing works you know and every exotic car looks the same every sports car looks the same every hybrid car looks the same every electric car looks the same mm-hmm. there's just there's a the formula style. that works a lot of it has to do now with wind tunnel testing and a lot of it has to do with just that's what the public wants. The public doesn't want the Mustang to be frumpy. They want it to be sleek and two-door and wide, and they also want that out of the Camaro. So guess what? They're kind of going to look the same. So that being said, what I do want to talk about is the rear end, specifically the sort of like taillight section, right? Yeah. So I've talked to several of my car friends about this, and I've heard even some Mustang people say they don't like it. And to me, the first thing that came to mind was like 68 Fastback. Like you think about like that sort of indented rear and that's what came to mind. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, that's almost like a heritage feature, like a bit of heritage design on the car. I was like, that's probably one of my favorite features about the the new car. But see, to me, it doesn't look, it looks pinched instead of rolled. Cause like you look at, you know, what, like a 68, it's got the the, modern styling, kind of what Brad was saying, right? It's it's sharper cuts, more defined. Or like almost like fighter jet looking. Yes. But here, here's the thing about it. It's like when you look at it straight on, the rear end straight on, you mm-hmm. see, obviously you see the tri-bar taillight effect. But from certain angles, they start to look like chevrons, which is yes. kind of cool, but I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very the, I did very notice angular. that, the chevron look. And when you look at it from the rear three-quarter angle, so say you're looking at it from the right side rear three-quarter, the right side taillights point to the right because of the way the car is shaped, but the left side taillights also point to the right because of the way the car is shaped. <laughs> so it is a little interesting, but I generally like it, and it reminds me, like you said, of a 68 Mustang. It has that same indented center, and I get what you say, pinched versus you know pushed concave, but I, I think it looks good. So I'm fine with it. Listen, I don't. I have no issue with the car. I think it's a good-looking car. It's exactly what I expected. It's an evolution, not a revolution. Just to talk about the other car last week. Yeah. You know, and that's just what you're going to get. I, I don't even know that it's much of a different chassis 
really it's kind of the same car uh, redesigned. So it's it is the the same chassis um there's rumors that there may be a chassis change mid-generation that would allow for a hybrid platform i wouldn't but be that's surprised. just rumors um okay gimmicks it has a flat bottom steering wheel oh, oh that's, i like that's that. an issue i huh? hate it Huh. Well, see, as long as it's not the Tesla steering wheel's just not there. Oh, the yoke. Uh, yes, the yoke. I'm okay with the. I, I like. I think it looks racy, to be honest. I don't like driving cars with flat bottom steering wheels because it's off putting. Yeah. If if uh, what what people don't think about is the minute you are backing into a spot, um, you don't have like that full wheel. You know, when you're traversing the car in a parking lot, that's when you need a full circular wheel. And I that's just, what people don't think about. I don't. I don't like it. But. And then that just might be me being grumpy old man. I just don't like a flat bottom steering wheel. I don't like aftermarket flat bottom steering wheels, and I don't like factory flat bottom steering wheels. Fair enough. But the do car we, has. Do what? we need to get off your lawn now? Yes. <laughs> the car has my a lawn's in the backyard. What are you even doing back there? Remote rev. That's probably uh, yes. the one thing I hate the most. Yes, that feature will destroy car meets everywhere. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it exists. It's it's done from what appears to be the key fob, possibly the phone. I'm sure there'll be a phone app, too. too. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's going to work, either, because it probably won't be able to work with a manual car. Yeah, I can't um, see that being a possibility. So if it doesn't work with a manual here's, here's my whole point with this whole thing. Like, if you leave it in first, it'll, hmm. it'll launch. Like, you, can't, you can't get remote start in a manual car. I mean, unless you trick the systems and find somebody to do it for it's willing to but you're not supposed to have manual automatic start in a manual car right so if you only have this hmm. uh remote rev which i don't even understand the point of it other than just being a jerk at a car show yes, and it's revving your gimmick. engine so if you're revving your engine to show off how cool you are and it just proves that you have an automatic i'm gonna laugh at you <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I, I gave them the benefit of the doubt when they announced it because i was thinking oh well you know what's the functional advantage to that like there's, there's none the, yeah there, there I, is zero the, advantage yeah it's, it just seems like a it's fun to party show trick. and then by the time these cars are making the rounds and available and you're seeing them on the street all the time nobody will be interested in that you're feature it'll just well, be an annoying feature well i guarantee you it is going to flood tiktok and instagram yes like people oh, are going to be doing it all over the place yes. <laughs> well the other gimmick the car has which i want to get off of that one because i don't want to give it too much press because i hate it yeah true or i want to give it more press because i hate it i don't know how i feel about hating it i just know <laughs> i hate it the other thing the car has which is something that i'm shocked that they put into a production car mm -hmm. is a drift brake yeah, I was going to mention that one next. It has an actual... Which they said they used Von Gitten to help tune. Sure. Who, apparently. For those who is, don't know, he's a professional drifter that yeah. drifts Mustangs. Yep. On Ford's dollar. Yep. So... He's very good. It's an electronic parking brake, but they gave the car a traditional parking brake handle, and when the car is moving and you pull the brake, it will lock up the rear to initiate a slide. So I should point out, Ford did say they feel it's a track-only use case. They yeah, know we'll see about that. We're going to say that. Yeah, but there's not. There's not. It's not geofence. It only works on track. Correct. Like, you it's could definitely, definitely drive down Bell Road and yank your e-brake and slide yes. onto. Expect 35th. all those YouTube videos that come from Russia where they're just drifting in front of the police, <laughs> or America Mustangs. where they're drifting into everybody standing outside the cars and coffee on the way home. Well, ah, uh, yes. My question is: Is do you guys think it's actually going to work? I'm a little bit skeptical. Of course of, it's going to work. Yeah, but it's not going to be like a real drift brake because it's not hydraulic. It's not. It doesn't need to be. It's a it's an e-brake. It locks the wheels. All a drift brake right. does is lock the wheels, but so it's hydraulic it's, it's or electronic. It's going to be like a drift assist, but it's not really going to be the same as 
having a Formula Drift Mustang. Jeff, oh, so no, of course it's not going to be the same as having oh, okay. a quarter not, million no, dollar not, drift I'm, car. Right. I, I, I didn't mean to phrase it that way. I'm not comparing it to a race car, but I'm just saying like it's not going to be. it's going to lock the wheels for as long as you hold the lever. So as soon as you let go, it's saying it's, it's going to be instantly go, off. Which is just like a hydraulic drift, drift right. brake. So I think it's going to mm-hmm. work the same. What, I, what I'm concerned about not working is the people driving it's judgment and uh, restraint. You know, because it's Mustangs, Mustang Mustang versus buyers, crowd undefeated. Mustang buyers, <laughs> yes, as, a gen- as a general rule, uh-huh. are known to be very calm, cool, and collected at all times. So the <laughs> right. drift brake is only to be used in competition, and nobody will ever use it on the street. I would like to talk you know to what? our You're peers, right. but they're no longer with us here today because of what happened the last time a Mustang left a beat. Right. <laughs> so anyway, other gimmicks are the gauge cluster. Yep. And as much as I hate the... F- Which I hate the whole gauge As much display. as I hate the flat-bottom steering wheel, and as much as I think that the remote rev is really dumb, I think the worst part about this entire car is the gauge cluster. Dash. Yep. Yeah. Terrible. But just because it's too much screen? It's or? all screen. Yeah, it's like a luxury car. That's yeah. not what I want to see. I liked how the S550, when it had the digital dash, it still had the, like the basic outline, so you felt like you were looking at your gauges you had- still. Simulated gauges inside their own binnacles, and they did have different. They had different versions. You could switch it out to like a '60s retro mode with the S550, but you still had like your sort of. I'm driving my muscle car, and it feels like a vintage car almost. Yeah, I just don't like screens because put yourself in a 2014 any car with a screen, it looks terrible. It's so dated and so awful, and it's one of the worst parts of an older. Newer, a, a it, new, yes. an older, newer car. It dates I guess the car. Well, it dates the car, and having all screens is just going to date the car because they're going to change all the time. And just I don't know. I, I just don't like it. Well, just and, give me gauges. And I said this on the last one for sure because I feel very strongly about this. But it's it's for people that want to spend more time on their phone. Is like the approach that it takes when you build an interior like this. It's just like the Tesla stuff. It's terrible. And well, that's and not what should be in a performance car. And it's flashy, it's techy, it's modern, so I, I figured that's a lot of the logic behind it because you know, oh, it looks new, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, it, there's something to be said for traditional analog gauges because you look at the S550, they offered the you know digital dash, mm-hmm. but I think depending on, if I remember correctly, like if you spec'd a GT this, a certain way, you could get the traditional analog gauges, you know, the deep barrels. Mm-hmm. But this, I don't, it doesn't seem like that's even going to be available. I've heard some people talk about cost versus mechanical gauges, or actually I shouldn't even say mechanical gauges, but analog looking gauges because they're still technically controlled digitally. Mm-hmm. So I've heard people talk about the cost difference between the two and a screen is cheaper, but I don't think it is because... The entry-level Ford products all have standard-style gauges. Also, have you seen how big these screens are? Yeah. I think the one in the middle is, what, 13.2? and change, yeah. And so it looks like it's about the same size as the one they put in front of you. So that's 26 inches. There's TVs smaller than that. The other issue with screens in cars is that you touch them. Because they're designed to be touched, they're touch screens as a general rule, it, and they wind might up just covered be the center in, one, though, right? The one I'm sure the one in front of the yeah, dash the isn't, but the one that's in the middle isn't. And touch screens in cars are always covered in fingerprints. True. And as a person who likes to keep a nice, nice, tight, tight, tidy, yeah, tidy car, it's annoying to have fingerprints all over the screens all the time. Well, here's another issue with the screens: is from what I've seen, it seems that they've kind of done away with the dual ca- the dual cowl dash layout, which is a heritage touch. Yes. Oh yeah, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. 
it's yeah. gone. But that's also not the first time. Like we talk about individual binnacles for the gauges. One of the other party tricks this car does is he can make the gauges look like a Fox Body Mustang gauge. Such an odd choice. Yeah. But the Fox Body Mustang didn't have individual binnacles either. It had a rectangle cluster that you could replicate with a screen like they did. So maybe that's why they did it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe it's also now that the Fox Body has like gotten out of its stage of cheap Mustang and right, has now they're expensive developed they're, more of a collector car they're status. Almost, well, they are over 40 years old now. The earliest ones. They came right. out in 79. The, the four so, eyes. Yeah. So... I don't want this to be just a Mustang rant piece, so I do want to talk about all the good things that the car is doing as well. Sure. So obviously it's nice to see an evolution. I think a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about the S550 platform. And then obviously there's horsepower increases. We're, we're pointing out the bad things in a good car. That's what we're doing. True. The screens, honestly, they're not for us, but we're not tradition. We, we're, we're traditionalists. All three right. of us are. There's no question. We all own vehicles that are older not because we couldn't buy a newer car but because we prefer older cars so for us to complain about this stuff is like you know listening to the wrong people complain about something we're gonna give you our opinion and we're gonna complain about it because that's our opinion Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like ford didn't build this car for me ford didn't build this car for you true ford knows that i'm somehow they know ford somehow knows that i'm not buying one you know, Ford knows that we have a 1968 Mustang at our house, and we're not looking to upgrade. So don't build the car for Brad. He's not going to buy one. Yeah, um, but it is a V8, naturally aspirated. Sure. And some of their competitors no longer feel that they need to produce such a car. Which ones have said that so far? Uh, well, Dodge. That's they said the whole, it. That the, hasn't happened yet, though. La- well, okay. That's true. Uh, the Camaro's getting discontinued. The last call cars are currently being the unveiled Camaro for Dodge. The discontinued in 2003, and guess what? Came back again four years later, five years later. True, which I think there's already supposed to be some sort of anticipated replacement for there's the going car, to be right? a replacement. That's what I mean. Like um, They're just ahead of the game, and again, this is not an all-new car. The, the Dodge product has been out since, I think they designed that current Charger generation in 1968. It feels like <laughs> it's a pretty old design. It goes back to the early 2000s, at least. Yes. The, the basic car itself. Yes. And it's, it's, it's old and dated, and it's time to kill it off and build something new. The Camaro, the same thing. When did the new the new Camaro came out? 08, Whenever right? Transformers came out. 08, I think. 07, 08, 08 somewhere around. right. Then. Yeah. Well, the so, current generation came out, I think, in 2016. But we're talking about the basic platform, which, hasn't, which oh, is still okay. the same basic platform that came out in 08. The S... 650, 550, was there a 450? No. no. It okay, so that only came out in what, 2005? Because it was S197 okay. so before that. So that came out in 2005. Yeah. So my entire point is gone now because it's all the older than the other ones. <laughs> so they should have scrapped it and gone new again too. But um, Oh, wait, wait. No, no, I'm sorry. The S550 came out in 2015. Yeah. Okay, so it's a lot more recent than the Camaro platform or the Dodge platform. The base platform, not the current iteration of the platform. So they can still go and make improvements in the platform. It's not as dated yet. Most importantly, it weighs significantly less. Than what? The Dodge vehicles. I mean, this building weighs less than the Dodge vehicles, so is that really <laughs> a benefit? <laughs> I do I'm not hating on the Dodgers. I do like them too, but I just think that the, the age of this chassis is younger than the age of the Camaro chassis or the Dodge, whatever they call the Charger Challenger 300 chassis. Yes. The the age is younger. So they continue to improve it. Whereas Dodge is like, we can't 
we can't continue to put money into this chassis. It's not going to be good anymore. It's already outdated. We're going to kill it. Start fresh with E muscle. Guarantee you that after a year, that E muscle, they're going to say like, "Well, the EPA is still letting us do this, so we got a couple of V8s left running around." So. Forget it. Look at this. We what, built a thousand horsepower, seven point five liter engine. No, well, that's be... what they did with the Durango Hellcat because they said, "Oh, yeah. the first iteration. Oh, this is it. This is the only model year." Now they brought it back for last call. Sure. And you got Durango uh, Hellcat owners, you know, pissed. So it'll be the same thing with uh... that, but instead of the full E muscle, it'll be, "Oh, we took the eight hundred and eight horsepower, you know, Charger Red Eye baloney engine, and we added." 1,400 horsepower to electric motors. So now you have 2,300 horsepower from your Dodge. And it's going to be something stupid like that's going to happen. You know it is. Yes. So the, the sixth last call car was unveiled today, which is just, again, they're, they're always fully loaded versions of cars that already exist. Scat packs or Hellcats. Um, but that being said, the last one's supposed to be unveiled at SEMA. So fingers crossed it'll be something dumb. I know the skeptics would like it to be dumb. a elephant. Yeah, powered. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, just jam uh, it in Charger there. Challenger. Yeah, it's going to be something dumb. We just, could just all be disappointed too. Now we're also going to be disappointed. There's no question. It's going to be dumb, <laughs> and we're going to be disappointed. But I'm sure it's going to be something ridiculous. It'll probably be over yes. a thousand horsepower, and it will. They'll make ten of them, and it won't matter to yeah. us because and we it'll don't. It'll be 150k. Yeah. Plus. Now, Jeff, are you going to go to SEMA? Are you going to cover it? Yes. Well, we should be there, um, as far as I know. Uh, we're working on getting passes right now, so I, I believe we should be there. Okay. Keep me keep me in mind, because I want to go, too. I've been to SEMA. Bucket list. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah. I'm, I, I don't have all the details of everything we're doing quite just, yet, just but I know we're working plant, on plant it. Plant the seed, my friend. We'll do. Plant the seed. I would definitely be into that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you got to be at SEMA. It's, it's interesting how SEMA's kind of changed. Um, this is probably a topic for another time, but how it's opening the doors to be a little bit more open to just spectators, even, as opposed yeah. to strictly a business-to-business well, business event. This is a we're more rants for the day. <laughs> a lot of the manufacturers have backed out, and that's part of the reason. Oh, really? A lot of the OEMs aren't going to be there. So it's just going to be nothing but wide-body kits and builds and... Which is fine because it's always been the specialty equipment manufacturers. It's not been the OEM equipment manufacturers. So the fact that the OEMs are even there isn't really generally necessary. Right. It's generally, yeah, product It's an aftermarket equipment show, so it makes more sense. But I know I don't think Chevy's going to be this year. I think Toyota's out this year. That's fine. They've already unveiled all their cars anyways. But that's what I'm saying. (laughs) They're they're just not going this year. So, yeah, and I guess those booths cost a ton of money for them to build and haul Ab- around. Absolutely no question. I know how much it cost us to build a booth yes. for a trade show. That was a lot for us. An absurd amount of and money. It's certainly for less a than booth what that the manufacturers are spending. Yes. For like six pieces of plywood and two televisions, it was a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Wood prices. Um. <laughs> I know. I just bought 16 sheets and it cost me yeah. like a week's salary, I think. You know what kills me, though, is. When you go to SEMA now, granted, they're all slightly different from each other, but now it's whatever's most popular. There will be 20 to 30 cars of that car. Which makes sense. Built in different ways. Well, the newest, greatest thing. People want to build products for the newest, greatest thing. Nobody's going to invest a ton of money on a 2010 Mustang. They'll be like, oh, give me the new 2024. Right, but we're going to see these YouTube videos coming out as like, hey, here's my top 10 Nissan Zs from SEMA. Actually, that's that's 100% going to be the car this year is the 400. 
Yes. The Nissan 400, uh, no question. Yeah, what is the final name? Is it 400? Is it Nissan Z Proto? What's the... I would I just have thought it was Proto, Z. Right? I think it's just Z. I, Z? Think, I think Proto is the name for the prototype. I've, I've already seen... People are starting to get them, I guess. And so I've started to see the uh, YouTuber you, thumbnail the YouTuber titles. Them, and yeah. the YouTubers are calling them Protos and stuff. So I... Oh, I just, that might be a trim level for it. Oh, wouldn't that be weird? I think the Proto is the... Is that the yellow, neon yellow? The neon yellow, yeah. Hmm. Like Nissan's calling it the Z. Okay, Nissan Z. So nice and simple. Re, yeah, restart after they realized they weren't increasing the displacement, and so they couldn't call it a four hundred. I just figured they would because it doesn't always match that number. Well, but three five was a three five, and three seventy was a three seven. So and Proto is the launch edition, basically. Mm. Interesting. Like two hundred forty launch editions. Made. I don't care. I hate launch editions. No, I have no use for it. They're it's dumb. just a gimmick. And if it's working, people are buying them. So one yeah. dealer had like a seventy thousand dollar markup on one. Good grief. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is. So this anyway. Why, this is also why I buy old cars. Pluses of the Mustang. It's a V eight, it's manual transmission, it's yep. rear wheel drive, it still looks like a Mustang. It's it still Mustang. looks cool. Yep. People are gonna buy them. I think that it at the end of the day, every year. That you can still buy a V8 gas-powered car is a good year. Is a good year because it means that's another year that we can drive our vintage V8 or four-cylinder or six-cylinder gas-powered cars. I'm all for progress. I think that electric cars have their place, but I don't want one currently. I want to drive my gasoline cars, and I understand the environmental impact of that. But I also understand the environmental impact of buying a brand new car versus just keeping my old cars on the road. So, I'm trying here. Yeah, so for, it's tough to be an environmentally conscious car guy. So you have to like give and take, you know. I, I have a little bit of a different approach there. I uh, I'm excited to see the new Mustang um, with the hopes that maybe I'll even end up buying one someday. Who knows? Um, depending on what happens, prices wise, and what the car world happens. But I'm excited to see what these cars look like in person, mostly because of the styling change. Um, it's not a super extreme change, like we said. It's an evolution, mm-hmm. which is good. If I was Ford, I wouldn't want to mess up the Mustang brand either, and have everyone hate me. Um, but I want to see if maybe my opinions on the styling change. Maybe I like it more than I think I do once I see it in person. You get an idea for the proportions, right? It's kind of hard to see. And again, things see. grow on you. When you first see something, and it's just human nature to not like change in general. Like, right. oh, I love the current Mustang. Oh, they changed it. Why'd they change it? The current one's perfect. Well, they can't sell it till 2050. they got to change it. Right. So the human condition is just, hey, I don't like change. I liked it how it was. Don't mess with it. Give me the old one. Yeah, I mean, it's why they're putting the Fox Body dashboard in it because it's different. Nostalgia sells cars, right? It does so, heritage, spe- especially with Mustang. Yeah, and you know, yeah, there there have been cars like I, I think the the C8 Corvette is a great looking car, but when I first saw it online and pictures, static pictures, I thought, okay, yeah, it's it's swoopy, it's a mid engine look, but uh, eh, you know. No big deal. But then when I saw it in person, when I was testing one, it was just completely different. Yeah, because you see it in 3D, all the different angles. It's, it's definitely the opposite of When the C8 came out in pictures, I was like, that's cool. And then I saw it in person, and I was like, give me a C7. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've always loved the C8. I, I, like, I, like, the I like the C7, how wide it is in the back. It's, just, it's a cool car. Anyway, I think that uh, we'll wrap up our Mustang chat for the evening. Yeah. Um, we did miss our weekly segment last week when we talked about what are our favorite cars on the site. Gentlemen, 
what are your favorite cars in the site? We're going to pick back up Mustang conversation next week. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite Mustang generation. Oh, that's going to be a hard one. Each one of us will have a week to pick out what our favorite Mustang generation was, and then uh, even break down a little more and get your trim level or what what you had. If you had zero, the budget was unlimited. You could buy one Mustang. You need to make it exactly the Mustang you want. It's the greatest Mustang that ever existed. That's going to be impossible. And it's going to be the one Mustang. Great. So oh, man. I'll circle back on that, and I'll have three. You'll be thrown off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on to your favorite car, currently live on autohunter.com. I'll go first this week. Please. My absolute favorite. I say absolute favorite. There's like 15 cars that I want. They're all but good. The yep. one that I would buy because it fits my lifestyle more than the rest is the 1977 Chevrolet Blazer Chalet. You just want to go overlanding, Brad. I just want to go camping. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy going camping. Those are cool. They're very cool. They were, I don't know if they were factory or if they were. I believe they were like one of those for like factory partnerships. Like, like yeah, factory sent the car out to yeah, XYZ like company. That. Yeah. So the color combos are awesome. They're all like this brown and beige two-tone, which yep. nothing makes me happier than a metallic brown vehicle. A metallic brown 4x4 with an attached camper that's like integrated perfectly into the truck is perfect for me. I can see uh, me and Naomi and the dogs going off into the, the, mo- the mountains of Arizona and uh, spending a week living out of this thing. That would be such a cool vehicle to have out there, too. be amazing. Imagine, and then on top of it, just the, the picture opportunities with this color combo. I was the just about to bring that up, the Instagram opportunities. So cool. Hey, yeah, it's me. I just took my 70s truck camping. Yeah, which is perfect. That's like, yeah. is, is there ever any sentence that you could picture me saying more than that? <laughs> Pretty much it. So I'm into it. So. No, I think I bought another sub-$1,000 car. Um, I could picture you saying more than that. I haven't paid less than $1,000 for a car for a while. Okay, but you've traded things. For less than a thousand dollars to acquire cars. Listen, nineteen seventy seven Chevrolet Blazer Chalet. I am into it. It's available right now. Uh, the price point is reasonable, I think, and I want it. So it's really best for a brand new RV. All right, Derek, I want you to go because I have two cars and I still can't figure out which one I really want to pick. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll stall for you, Jeff. Um, I was gonna pick Brad's uh, ah, choice. He chose his choice instead. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't think so, though, because... I, I think you did. I, well, I, I don't think so, because Jeff already drives one of these cars. Oh. I picked a uh, 1999 Mercedes-Benz SL500. It's dark teal, tan yes. leather, wood grain I, trim. I did almost pick that car. Oh, okay. So that, that car is actually really cool. Um, it's a unique color that you don't see them in a ton. I feel like silver, white, and black is the most common R129 color. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's a nice, unique color, um, especially to find. It seems like everything in that car is very nice. So that being a 99, for those of you that don't know, has the updated M113 and the 5G Tronic uh, speed shift transmission. So that is an excellent facelift car that has all the new car bits in it. Yeah, that's an awesome car. Yeah, the, the, and those uh, those parts make it even better. Yeah, I mean, just aside from the general design, yeah, you get you know updated running gear, all that. Mm-hmm. And this uh, also avoids all the down bit side bits. So the early R129 cars had the uh, biodegradable wiring harnesses. This car doesn't have any of that. So this is the R129 to buy, so to speak. So that one's cool. 
All right, Jeff. Did that? Uh, <sighs> just, did that give you enough time? You got to. Uh, you got to narrow down. No. Okay. So here's the thing. I picked a uh, 914 and a Maserati 3500 Spider. Oh, I love that um, color. I'm going to pick the Spider mostly because I have a Porsche already. Okay. So I would love a 914 to pop off the target top and drive a little baby car. Um, <laughs> it's basically a Volkswagen, but I'm going to go with the Maserati because that's basically got a derivative of the Ferrari V8. And it's an Italian car with a tan interior. The which big is difference classic. is a cross-plane crank versus a flat-plane crank, right, in motors? Yes. Oh. I believe that's well, – Brad and I had a research um, – project yeah, it, together it on this. it turns out people are taking these Maserati V8s and swapping them into old American cars. Are they really? really? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of neat. they sound fantastic. That's what I with mean. With an exhaust. Yeah. So I'm like, in my head, I'm going, I want, I don't want this car, but I do want this engine. And there's a company who makes an adapter plate so you can put it up to a six-speed manual. Oh, so nice. Good. So I'm just picturing like, only. Yeah, I'm I'm just picturing like some vintage Japanese car that somebody already LS swapped, so I'm not ruining it. But the motor blew up <laughs> and putting a Maserati motor three point five. That's a Japanese car. Well, any any drift Japanese car. Sorry, any okay, S chassis. Any, any S chassis. Japanese car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was thinking of something like an eighties Cressida or something in my wheelhouse, mm. and uh, having a Maserati powered. V8. That would be so cool. It just sounds ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, these. I like these cars a lot. um, Mostly because it's not a Ghibli. Okay. And it's almost like a baby Gran Turismo the same way that like an SLK is like a baby SLR. Yeah, I I don't hate these cars. They just, they don't they don't do anything for me personally. The styling doesn't do anything for me. Mm. Um, I think I would buy the Jaguar of the same era over it for styling wise for if I wanted a European convertible but then I hear the engine in the Maserati oh it's so good and it sounds so good but it's also coupled to an automatic so the engine sound is a little weakened if you've for got me. some time there are some videos of these at racetracks and things driving by yeah go listen yeah I have they're good that's why it's I want so one good. that's why I want one in a Cressida yeah <laughs> it's it's great Obviously, that'd be a dumb thing to do, but I'm all about doing dumb things with them. So, <laughs> Yeah, which all of these are actually for sale. So if you're interested in any of these cars we mentioned or just want to peruse what's currently on the site, you can go to autohunter.com. Okay, and if they have already sold, I'm sorry. If they haven't sold, then shoot us an email and we'll contact the seller and uh, ask them if they're still cars still available. So maybe we can yep. put together something on the car for you. So, gentlemen... Thank you for joining again for another episode of Drive the Bid, brought to you by AutoHunter.com and ClassicCars.com. We will end this right here, and we will have a week to recuperate and figure out our favorite Mustangs. I expect one answer from both of you. Ugh. One answer from both of you. That's rude. Everybody, have an excellent evening, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya. See ya.